Welcome to Freedom to Choose from Just As I Am Ministries, a nonprofit providing hope to those caught in the devastation of addiction or who are searching for a better way to live. In this series, The Life, you'll study the life of Jesus. Who is he? What is he really like? Does he care about me? Rich and Susan Collenberg are a husband and wife team who found freedom over two decades ago from their lives of drug addiction and alcoholism. They found biblical answers and now share their experience of freedom on Freedom to Choose. Hello, everyone. My name is Rich Collenberg. And my name is Susan Collenberg. And we would like to welcome you once again to Freedom to Choose. And we're on this series, The Life. And of course, we're talking about the life of Jesus. And this is program number 53. And it's actually just called Children. And it's on the series, The Life. If you're Uh, wanting to look it up later. And uh, Susan, before we get going, would you open with a word of prayer, please? Yes. Our loving Father in heaven, we are so grateful that we have uh, another opportunity to look at your word and your principles and how you interact with people through uh, the life of Jesus to help us to better understand your overall design principles for, for life and for this universe as a whole. And uh, we know that above all, you desire that each person to be saved. And so we just pray that these this program goes um, in accordance with your will. And we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Susan. Mm-hmm. Um, so as many of you know, uh, Susan and I have a little quote-unquote donkey farm, if you will. It's a bunch of miniature donkeys. And I think in the one of the previous programs, we might have mentioned that we had a little baby boy, and his name is Eddie, and little Eddie was born premature. And what do you have to do with little Eddie? I think we talked about it uh, last time, but I wanted to review, and I wanted to look at it in, in a different light, because, mm-hmm. of course, today's program is is titled The Children or Children, and what we're going to look at is we're going to look at why God says what he says, and look at the different delivery methods that God uses to get to his children. So what do you have to do with Eddie, and how how has he come along since the last time we talked well, about Eddie it? Eddie is doing fantastic. Normally when a baby donkey is born, they weigh anywhere from 25 to 30 pounds, and they're about 18 and a half to 22 inches tall. And after a month, Eddie was... 21 pounds and 18 and a half inches tall. So, so he's already under the average after a month. After a month. And so he was born premature, and um, we figured out pretty quickly that um, his mouth and his lungs weren't quite um, formed correct, you know, all the way yeah. developed. And so he has kind of what they call a parrot mouth, which yep. means he's got extreme buck teeth, right? Yep. And so his jaw doesn't match correctly, and so he was unable to nurse from his mother because the lower jaw is kind of how the mouth of the donkey works to kind of latch on to, yeah. to nurse. And so every two hours— um, No matter what. No matter what. We had a mixture of formula and goat's milk and— um, 
little Eddie could drink from a bowl. It was amazing. He actually started drinking from the palm of our hand because we were, you know, milking the mama and he'd just lick it right up or suck it right up. So it was really a blessing to see that um, he was able to eat at that point because it was a lot of time where we weren't sure that he was even going to make it just because he had some issues. His heart rate was like 162 beats per minute or respiration. And, you know, it just, he had a lot of struggles, but he's pulling out of it. He is doing absolutely fantastic today. And, um, it's not every two hours. As a matter of fact, last weekend was the first time that, um, I slept through the night because we have some gizmo now, don't we? We have an automatic, it's for a little kitty, like a water, an automatic water, gravity flow, feeding water container. And so um, we just put his formula slash goat milk in that, and um, he was able to get through the night all on his own. You see, and this, oh. I, I was sitting on a on a bale of hay, and I'm staring at this this gizmo, because typically if, if you have an orphan, you're going to you're gonna hook a nip, nipple to a uh, a igloo. igloo or something Water and, and just right. fill it up and they're gonna they're gonna say but right. he can't do that right. his mouth won't wrap around right. the nipple so you can get an igloo water dispenser a big one and then put a nipple where the water comes out mm-hmm. and then that's how what happens like you know if the mother rejects the baby or whatever and so you can fill it up and all day long they just come and eat at will right so so i'm sitting on this bale of hay and i'm looking at this this mechanism that we're feeding this little guy with and i'm thinking Delivery method. Without this particular delivery method, this animal dies. And I want you to think of all the different psyches or all the different types of people that are all looking through different types of lenses that are all at different ages in their Christian growth and the different delivery methods that God has to use and to get to them. So that's really interesting because you were talking about the deliver, the different delivery methods as you're looking at this gizmo. But for the first six weeks, I was a delivery you method, were, you, right? You so I was, I was giving the bowl. And so a lot of times... Um, a lot of times we have uh, parents or loved ones or husband or wives call us and talking to us about people who are suffering with addictions or if they're in jail and, you know, they've tried all their lives to to make an impact and to lead them to the Lord. And and sometimes when, when we pray with them, we say, if, if they're not hearing the message for you, we pray God brings someone right. into their life right. that, that can reach them, that can... Um, that they can connect with that can de- that will deliver the correct message because God said even the if you don't do the work the rocks will cry out yeah you know and the inter- interesting thing is is sometimes it has to it has to change from uh, I, I don't listen a lot to the first people that I listened to early on in my recovery I listen to different people as I grow right and so this Eddie, <laughs> he would only we had to train him right. to know that it wasn't Susan coming out that was producing the milk. Right. That it was actually he could find it in the bowl without Susan being there. Right. And it so, took about three days right. for him to figure that out. And and then and then it was to the bowl, to this different contraption because he was used to the bowl. It was always the bowl, the bowl, the bowl. Yeah. And then to, we had to put the bowl inside the contraption. So he said, Okay, that's my bowl. But it took him a while to, to say figure it out. Where's my bowl? But and and so it's a stainless steel. Yeah, container. it's a different different smelling, different looking 
thing. Exactly. And then today we have a different feeder that's in a different part of the field and he would not go to it. And I thought maybe it was just a little bit high because he has to stick his head straight in. He can't like dip his head. And so I took it, <laughs> I took it and I did it nicely, but I, I just took his little head and I kind of dunked it into the, yeah. just his mouth into the, into yeah. where the milk was. And he's like, oh, okay, this so is now where he it knows. is. And so he just drank and, and it's amazing. So he's graduating in the way he's getting fed. And see, this is, this is what we need to do. See, so God in the Bible and through people preaching and through all kinds of different mes- methods and messages, he's talking to ch- to people of At all different, different levels and stages. Right. Right. And so I wanted to talk a little bit briefly about the difference between a contract and a covenant. Because, see, when we raise children, a lot of times we've got to talk a, talk a little contract. A little legal language. A little language. legal language <laughs> with them. You don't brush right. your teeth, I'm going to swat you on the bottom. Right. You know, or if you don't, if you don't brush your teeth, you're not going to get a bedtime story or whatever it may be. There's threats, and there's you know, if you perform, what's in it for me? What's in it for you? Right. That's a contract. A legal contract protects both parties. Right. A legal contract. Many times we like to insert things in in those contracts that actually separate us mm, because mm-hmm. each person is watching out for themselves in a contract. Right. So they're trying to get the most out of the deal. Mm-hmm. Okay, well I'm I'm going to sell this car for um for you know $6500. Oh you oh you want those little uh chrome exhaust pipes on them too? Okay, well, that's going to be $6800. Okay, but who's paying for the license? And all this stuff goes into the contract to protect both parties. And to make sure that each party is protected from the other person because they don't trust. It's a business transaction. Well, and I and sometimes it, the contract isn't so much about protection as it is is more about self interest. Self interest, a lack of trust in the other person. Because a lot of times with a contract, you don't know the other person, right? Right, and you're going to do business with them. So we kind of start out that way with our relationship with God. We have this. Legal mechanism that we, if you're a good little boy, I'll treat you okay. If you're a bad little boy, you're going to get punished kind of a deal. And we look at, you know, we talked many times in in previous programs about the seven levels of moral decision-making or moral development and how God kind of walks us through that with him. And the language of the Bible is such that it does... uh, it does include a bit of that language, you know, especially you see in the Old Testament, if you're, if, you're, if you're good and you walk in my ways and you obey my commandments, then I will not bring the disease upon your land, all of this kind of stuff, and it's almost a contract uh, language. But then we have the other, as we grow in our lives and we grow up, maybe you might meet someone, uh, if you're a guy, you might meet someone as nice as Susan. And you might say, I want to marry that woman. And then that is not a contract, of course, unless you have a prenuptial agreement, which would be based on, I don't even want to get into that. Um, but your marriage is called a what? A covenant. A covenant. And a covenant is different than a contract because a covenant brings two people together as one. It brings two people together as one, and it removes the things that divide the people. Are you with me? Yes. Yes. Okay, a marriage covenant. Um, 
And so we have, Susan and I have a marriage. We have a, a, a covenant marriage. In, in other words, when things come up between us, we try to get those out of the way so we can get closer. And that's God's ultimate desire for us is to remove the things that separate us from him mm-hmm. instead of us constantly trying to look at God and say, what can I get get away with? You know, what's a deal breaker sin and what isn't? Or what do I have to do in order to receive favor? Right, exactly. And so it's very important that we understand that God is talking to people at different levels in this in this, his relationship, and he's trying to move us all from a contract legal language to a covenant marriage language. And you see in the end of the Bible that we are the bride of Christ. Mm-hmm. Right. And so uh, so let's go on to now today's program, because it's, it's titled Children, and it is, um, and I want to talk about in Matthew 19, where Jesus is, you know, they bring the children to Jesus. In other words, and he loved the children, but the disciples, the culture was that children were kind of just in the way. They were just there, and Jesus was way too important, and rabbis were way too important to have children bother them, okay? And so today's uh, program is going to be based on Matthew 19 and verses 13 through 15. And Jesus loved children wherever he was and wherever he went. And his kindly matter always won the love and the confidence of the children. And back in that day, it was customary for children to be brought to some kind of rabbi that he might rabbi that he might lay his hands on him and in blessing. But the disciples thought that his work was too important to be interrupted. They were confused about the character of God. So when the mothers came to Jesus with their little ones, the disciples looked at them with distaste. They thought, right, so the disciples thought that Jesus would be bothered by the children, like like you said, but it was the disciples with whom Jesus was really displeased. So what does it say about God that neither young or old, Samaritan or Jew, is dis- ever discriminated against? That's right. God is not one that discriminates against anyone. So you have, we, we have evidence of that in the book of John. In John chapter 3... Nicodemus comes to Jesus, and let's talk a little bit about uh, Nicodemus. Who was Nicodemus? Nicodemus was a Pharisee. He no. was a, yeah. Okay. Yeah, Nicodemus was a Pharisee, and in now in John chapter 4, there's a story about a Samaritan woman, okay? Mm-hmm. Now, she doesn't even have a name. She's just it's, she's just a Samaritan woman, right? Right. Okay. So you have a contrast here. John chapter three, Nicodemus, man with a name. In John chapter four, you have a Samaritan woman. She's not named. Um, Nicodemus had high social stature. The woman, especially in that culture, had no social stature. And not only that, but she was getting her water in the middle of the day, which most women with any social stature got their water early in the morning, and they could associate with all the other women that got their water early in the morning. And so her social stature, we can assume by what time that she got the water, was that she was really not in the mix. She was an outcast. She was an outcast. Very good. So Nicodemus, when did he meet Jesus? He came at night. Nicodemus came at night. 
And when we'll call the Samaritan woman Sam. How's that? Okay. She came in the middle of the day. How about Nicodemus? Did he have an education? Yes. How about the woman? Was it hard for to get a, uh, an education back in those days for a woman? Yeah, I don't think that, that women were educated unless you came from a family that had a lot of money, so she definitely wasn't educated. Okay. And how about Nicodemus? Was he a Jew, in other words, part of the chosen people? Yes. Okay. And what about the Samaritan woman? She was a Samaritan. What did they, they used to call them? They used to call them dogs. Dogs. They were condemned, right? Right. Nicodemus was rich. How about the woman? She was poor. She was poor, right? Nicodemus, was he, when did he want to meet Jesus? He wanted to meet him in the middle of the night, didn't he? Mm-hmm. And, and so he basically was kind of ashamed to meet Jesus. But what did the Samaritan woman do? She went, she had, so Nicodemus basically had... Not much faith. He was ashamed to meet Jesus. However, the, the, the Samaritan woman, she met Jesus in the middle of the day, and she went and she brought back the whole town. So you see a contrast between Nicodemus being a man, Samaritan woman being a woman, Nicodemus being rich, the woman being poor, Nicodemus being ashamed to meet Jesus, the woman having a lot of faith and meeting him in the middle of the day, Nicodemus being afraid to say anything, and the woman being going back and getting the entire town and so you have this contrast total contrast and what i think the bible is telling us is whether you're rich and famous man or woman rich or poor uh a lot of faith or little faith ashamed of jesus or not ashamed of jesus all it doesn't matter and right in the middle of those texts those two stories stories is john three sixteen. And what's John 3.16? John 3.16, whosoever, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth him could not, should not perish but have everlasting life. So it's all-inclusive, child or grown-up, rich or poor. It, it doesn't matter what you've done. Right, so regardless of, of our upbringing or our history or even our future, Jesus doesn't discriminate or... Um, you know, he, there, there's no, um, he doesn't turn anyone away. He's, he, he wants all to come to him that, that we might be saved. So his salvation is complete regardless of what our condition is, you know, so it, it, nothing is dependent upon us other than our desire to have that relationship with Jesus. And that's even, I think, you know, put on our hearts through the Holy Spirit. So you know, Jesus says nothing. Nothing matters. Your 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 existence in this world, regardless. You know, you're you're already pre qualified. Yeah, you're, you're pre qualified as a child of God, and you become a child of God as you decide that you want to be one. The decision is upon us. Okay. Yeah, and so it's our need really that qualifies us, and the fact that we're a member of the human family. Right. Doesn't matter. And so every human being has the opportunity to be saved because um, Jesus just doesn't discriminate and doesn't leave anybody out. And and how about his forgiveness? That's for everyone as well, right? Right. And it's complete. There's nothing that, that the forgiveness of Jesus lacks. And so 
you know, as we go through this world, we all have um, things in our lives that has either happened to us or happens around us. And we're, you know, we can feel like, oh, we've done too much or we haven't done enough. And Jesus says, just come unto me. My salvation is complete. Uh-huh. You know, it's it's a gift. The, the gift of life is the gift of life is is that is just that it's a gift, right? It's a gift, right? And um, there's nothing that we can do to perform or um, to deny, you know, to not be able to receive that gift as long as that's our desire. Yeah, and so. It was, and you know what, that's the thing. It's the way it was with the children. That's how Jesus, it was interesting because it's kind of like the children knew it was okay to, to come to Jesus. So I don't know if it was his the way he carried himself or maybe the children saw something in his eyes or his face. I don't know. But some one of the days, some mothers came to see Jesus with their little children and they wanted Jesus to bless them. And Jesus heard them, but paused and he waited to see how the disciples were going to treat them. And when he saw, when he saw them send the mothers away, thinking that they were doing Jesus a favor, he said, suffer the little children to come unto me and forbid them not for such is the kingdom of God. And he took the children in his arms. He laid his hands upon them and he gave him his blessing. So it didn't matter to him. He always had time for little children. He had time for mothers. He had time for rich people. He had time for Samaritan women. He had time for everyone. And and that's one thing about God. And I think what I don't think we can quite grasp that there are some people, especially when you you're standing looking at the cross, that there are some people in this world and in this life that died forgiven they died jesus said on the cross father forgive them for they don't know what they're doing right they died forgiven but will they be in the did they choose to be in the kingdom yeah did they did they were they able to accept that forgiveness right because god's not going to force anybody to be there if they don't want to be there he offers life eternal as that gift yeah and and he's forgiveness personified we lose the capacity when we hold resentments and we, when we harbor evil and hatred, we lose the capacity to accept forgiveness or to even understand about— the, the way you understand about forgiveness is to forgive someone. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember you mentioned yesterday, uh, we, we were walking, we were going for a walk, and what are we thankful for? And, she, and, and Susan said, I, I think the thing I'm most thankful for is God has put in my heart the actual ability to forgive. Right. You know, and I mean, that struck me as, I mean, that was, she said that was the most thing that she's thankful for in her life. Well, and and the reason why is that I think it's probably the most transformative thing that has made a change in my life and my heart and my brain and my actions in the future is to, you know, to be able to, to experience that is um is definitely life changing. Yeah. So, you know, that's the thing. It's like life is so short, right? And um anger and resentment is something that's deadly to poison, the host. Poison to the brain. Right. And and forgiveness is definitely something that will bring um healing and compassion and and change. So if you think about that, to me that's monumental that that 
Susan, who had a whole lot of things to be resentful for, says her life is held together by God granting her the ability to forgive. That's what holds her life together. And I think that's fascinating. And I think that learning how to forgive or, or God granting you the ability to forgive helps us to be able to accept his forgiveness. And I think that, that those Pharisees that, and those Romans that, that nailed him on the cross that died uh, in an unsaved condition, they died forgiven. Mm-hmm. Yet they did not learn how to accept that forgiveness, and it's so sad. Right. We're going to have to wrap it up. That was a quick program. Um, remember, drop us a line if you need resources, www.justasiamministries.com, and Susan will ship out whatever you need. If you need a whole box of re- uh, books, we got them. It's what we do. And remember, folks, there's only two ways to live your life. One is like nothing is a miracle. The other is like everything is a miracle, and you have the freedom to choose. Do I love my neighbor? Thank you for listening to Freedom to Choose. There is truly hope for people whose lives seem to be overrun with problems, unhealthy relationships, or even imprisoned by some form of addiction. Rich and Susan Collenberg are living testimonials that biblical principles do work. They've authored resources available to move those you love toward freedom. If you'd like to order the Addiction Recovery Workbook, Seven Steps to Freedom, or the book, Could it be this simple, the way out of your prison? Please call Rich and Susan at 916-645-1297 or go to justasiamministries.com. As a nonprofit, they are supported by people like you. 916-645-1297 or justasiamministries.com. Thank you for listening. And remember, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you.